All right. Well, I apologize for putting the cart out ahead of the horse a while ago, but the good news is, is Jesus is not looking for perfect, only willing, right? So, uh, so, you know, it's very appropriate that our song today is uh, Joy to the World. And uh, it's kind of funny, uh, the little mix-up here a minute ago, uh, things out of sequence and stuff, because uh, I'm telling you what, uh, I got up this morning to go do my morning devotion to kind of look this over again this morning. And as soon as I, I got up trying to slip out of the bedroom quiet not to wake the wife up because she didn't have to be up yet when I was starting, and first thing I did was knock my water glass over on the, on the end table. I said, yeah, okay, you're starting already, but the good news is we don't have to put up with him, right? Get thee behind me, Satan, greater is he than enemy, than he's in the world, right? So the key to that is, though, that we have to pay attention. We're going to look at, I'm going to real quick just mention the first verse uh, of joy of the world. Joy of the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive uh, her king. But this la- the, second, the third verse, our third uh, line, let every heart prepare him room. Okay? Everything we're going to talk about this morning, that's the key to it. Have you made room for Jesus in your heart? He's at the door knocking. What he's done, he's already done it. He's already paid the price, and we know that. And the thing is, though, is we have to let him in our heart. He has to be our Lord and Savior for any of that to matter for us personally. As we look at this second verse, which will be your uh, first uh, point on your uh, handout, we're going to take a look at the lyrics here and talk about it a little bit. Uh, Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their song employ, while fields and floods Rocks, hills, and plains, repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. The joy the world then we sing, let earth receive her king. So we first have to make a place in our heart and receive Jesus. And then we have to allow him to be not just our Savior, but our Lord. He has to reign in our lives, right? And so what this, this verse, if you look at this a little closer, you'll recognize this joy that we have, we're supposed to be giving it to the world. The world does not have it. I'm going to tell you right now, the world does not have it because what they have is a temporary happiness. And you'll see that because I guarantee you that a friend that you're trying to reach probably has more hobbies than you. And they may even have all the best tools, guns, boats, whatever it is for those hobbies because they're trying to find happiness. They're trying to find that joy, but you can't find it in those earthly things. And so we are supposed to witness that joy to the world. And if you notice, it says that's supposed to be our song. You know, when we give our life to Jesus, we're supposed to sing a new song, right? And that song is our testimony. And when we say uh, to joy to the world and, and we say in this lyrics, it says, Repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. That means we continue to share the good news of Christ. And the thing about it is, it's not just in what we say, as we know, we have to live it. We have to walk it out because, trust me, the person you're hoping to reach, or somebody you're not even aware of, actually, is watching you. If you proclaim to be a Christian, they're watching you. And what we say only means as much as our actions. And so if in the middle of chaos at work or at school, uh, in the household, wherever you're at, in the middle of turmoil, if we continue to sustain that joy 
and that peace, then that's a witness. And we do it in our, in our walk. And so the song says, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. And the reason is, is because the world, when we try to verbally share the good news, the world says, no, nah, it can't be true. It's too simple, right? Because uh, the word says what? It says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe that God raised him from the dead, we're saved. That's it, right? So we ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, and we believe that God's his Father, that he died on the cross for us, and he was raised from the dead. We ask him to forgive our sins. We now have salvation. It says if we confess it with our mouth and we believe it in our heart. First off, it says if we don't believe in God, we can't please him. Well, that makes sense, right? Because if you don't believe in God, then you, know, you, you can't, uh, you can't uh, believe in his son. If you can't believe in his son then you can't please him by getting in a right relationship with him and getting to know him because that's why Jesus came, right? Was to be able to make us right with God again. God created us, each and every one of us, in his likeness image. But in order for us to have that relationship, we had to be given free will. Listen, the plan for Jesus to come and be our Savior wasn't after the fact. It wasn't after the sin in the garden. It was planned out ahead of time. It was known that, we would, that it would be messed up and we'd need to be forgiven. And Jesus said, hey, I, I, Father, I love them so much. I'll sacrifice. I'll, I'll pay the price so that they can be made right with you. Do you know that each and every one of you, before the foundation of the world, before you were in your mother's womb, God had already created a heavenly calling specific for you, a specific destiny for you to fulfill to glorify him and advance the kingdom. Something specific to you. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. But the key is, is that we know that joy and we need to share it with the world. And we got to repeat it over and over by sharing that testimony, by walking it out. And uh, this song is, is a uh, reminder to us what the true Christmas message is, which is the good news, right, that brings great joy to all. Now, the good part about it is at Christmas time, even folks that don't know Jesus, they do celebrate Christmas. They celebrate a little bit differently, you know, worldly. But, it, but at least, though, there is that element of love, right? It, at least that spirit of Christmas uh, brings forth that love. So it, it's a good opportunity even yet to shine that light. So what we're going to do here, first off, we're going to start with Luke uh, 2, 7 through 20, and we're going to look biblically at the proof uh, from this song of our Lord's coming. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flock of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by a sign. You will find him, a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angels were joined with a vast host of others, the army of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom 
pleased, whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let us go to Bethlehem. Let us, let, let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angels had said to them about the child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angels had told them. I want to talk about this scripture a little bit because there's some key things here we need to recognize. And um, one of them is, and one of the main things is here, is that notice that the shepherds told everyone, it says, and they were astonished by what the good news. And that's how it, we should be. We should be like those shepherds sharing that testimony of the good news because the world doesn't know about it. The world's looking for what you have, okay? Don't let somebody tell you you need to do this or that to conform to the world because the world does not have what you need. You have what the world needs, and it's Christ in you. And so we need to go forth and share that and astonish them with the story. And, you know, they, they may say when you tell them about it and you, you tell them how to receive Jesus, if you get that far along in, in sharing the gospel, they may say, well, that's just too good to be true. You know, uh, those saying you get what you pay for. All you have to say is, listen, you don't have to pay for it. Jesus paid for it. That was the whole point. Jesus paid for it. We can't outdo what Jesus did. And we, don't even, we shouldn't even be trying because our salvation is what? By grace, through faith, in Jesus. So also I want to share with you just for a moment, if you think back, Gabriel came to Mary, right? Gabriel came to Mary and told her that she was going to give birth to Jesus. And then uh, another angel came to Joseph and said, hey, you know, uh, listen, uh, you know, keep Mary as your wife. I want to reassure you that the Holy Spirit's the Father and uh, everything is right the way it's supposed to be. And, and so uh, if you think about it, now you know Joseph talked to Mary. So Joseph might actually be Mary's uh, first witness to the prophecy that Gabriel brought her, right? And, uh, and then uh, the shepherds were basically what? Like the second confirmation that Jesus was going to be Christ. Now, uh, well, I guess actually I ought to back up because when, when Mary went to see uh, Elizabeth, uh, John the Baptist, when his baby still in the womb, uh, stirred and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And actually, I guess uh, we, we would say that um, Elizabeth was the first confirmation. But I'm just wanting to share with you the fact that what this confirmation of the shepherds, bringing this confirmation of what the angels had told them to Mary, how powerful it was. And it said, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. And what I want to encourage you to do is those around you, family, friends, people you work with, those that are in what we, what we would call, you know, our pond of influence, you know, we, people that are in our lives that we have the opportunity to witness to, I want to encourage you to do that, to be a witness to them, to, to be their confirmation. You, uh, you just don't know, uh, how powerful it would be when the Lord puts something on your heart. Let's say in the middle of the day, somebody comes to your mind. Well, don't take that lightly. Take time and pray, 
pray for them. It may, it may be that you need to call them and talk to them and pray with them. But um, nothing happens. There's not coincidence. We know that, right? Uh, we're on a, a divine assignment, each and every one of us. And so when we have an opportunity to bring confirmation to somebody, we need to do it. And, and, you know, and pray over it. You know, if, you, if you hear something or you feel something, pray over it. Ask the Lord uh, you know, where to go with it. But if somebody in particular comes on your mind, uh, we need to reach out to them because that can be a strong confirmation to them. But, uh, and, and so when we do that, we also bring that joy. We share that joy, right? Because we're presenting um, you know, possibly um, an encouragement to them. Because sometimes uh, we have a thought about something. Now, we can have thoughts on our own. It can be a bad a, a, a thought from an evil spirit. But, but typically, you know, if we're uh, staying in a good relationship with the Lord, the Holy Spirit's going to be guiding you. Now, it is up to you whether you listen. It is up to you whether you follow. But I guarantee you, if you don't follow, we always pay for it, right? I can tell you a couple times where you know, I, I heard the Holy Spirit telling me something, and, and I didn't listen, and, and boy, it ended up a disaster. You know? And so we have, to, we have to pay attention to that. But uh, that joy that we want to share as our witness and testimony comes from our actions as well as our words. We can say it, but if we don't walk it, uh, you know, it's not very powerful. But the foundation, going to our next point, the foundation stone to our joy is Jesus, right? Now, I'm going I'm to tell you, um, without Jesus, we'd have no hope, right? Uh, we could not be in right standing with God. It's through the righteousness of Christ that we're able to come before the Father. And guess what? The Scripture says we can come boldly before the throne of God to receive His mercy and grace in our time of need. And so uh, we couldn't do that without Jesus Christ, because it took Jesus uh, for us to be able to be made right with God. So the foundation stone of our joy is Jesus from cradle to the cross, from the cross to the crown. He is our Savior, our Messiah, conquering King, and our joy. We want to take a look at Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not, la will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Niphtali will be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in, the, in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and it will be, and it will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift a heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midia. The, bat, the boots of the warriors and the uniforms bloodstained by war will be burned. They will be fuel to the fire. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest upon his shoulders, and he will, call, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice 
from the throne of his ancient, of his ancient Dave, of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's army will make this happen. So when we have trials and tribulations, as it's biblically correct to say, most of the time we ask why and why did it happen to me? Why did this happen? What, you know, what's good of it? What we need to ask is, is for the Lord to help us through it. Um, we don't always have an answer. There's not always an answer for certain things. But the truth is that we have hope in Christ that whatever it is, is not going to last forever. In your darkest time, you have a light to show your way. Uh, and that light is Jesus. And so, you know, it, it says here in the scripture that he'll break that yoke of slavery. Um, you know, when you're, when you're in a struggle, and I don't care what it is, um, the most powerful way to overcome it is, you know, say a quick prayer to the Lord, asking to be your strength. Quote a scripture that's based on what you're going through. I highly encourage you to, uh, to gear up. If you don't know it, uh, we're in a spiritual war. You're going to face spiritual warfare. And what that means is that's our enemy, right? Because the word tells us our enemy is not a flesh and blood. It's a principality of darkness, and it's, it's from that spiritual realm. We, we live simultaneously in the natural world and the spiritual world. We just don't see what's going on around us. But I guarantee you feel the influence of that. And so the key to that is, is to train up. Uh, to be prepared for that battle, for that spiritual warfare. How do we do that? We do that by getting into the Word. What did Jesus do when he went into the desert and the devil came tempting him? He spoke Scripture to him, right? Shut him right up. Now, he kept trying for a little bit, but the Lord just kept bringing Scripture at him, and he had to go away. And I encourage you to get in your Word. Spend that time in devotion, quiet time with the Lord, and get into the Word and study and particularly study some scripture. Do some research on scripture that relates to a current struggle you're in, a current spiritual battle that you're in, that spiritual warfare. And the reason is because when the devil starts coming at you with it, you have a verse that relates to it that you can speak at him and send him on his way. Because what is the word of God? The word of God is Jesus, right? Jesus is the word, right? And so... Uh, the, the devil doesn't want to hang out where Jesus is in the presence of Jesus. So if you make sure that you're prepping yourself up to be in the presence of the Lord and speak the word of God, the devil's going to flee from you, right? The word tells us this. So uh, one thing that I want to bring up here right where we're at now is that when that, uh, that yoke of slavery is broken off of you, that's the time to ask Jesus to wear his yoke. Remember, the scripture says that uh, my yoke is easy, my burden's light. You know why that is? That is because, okay, so first off, um, you know, you're creating the image and likeness of God. And before you were ever born, your heavenly destiny, heavenly calling was already designed specifically for you. That is that yoke that you need to ask Jesus to let you wear. Because what that is, that is a yoke that's been custom fit for you. That load is not a load anymore because that's your heavenly calling. And that calling is something that's your passion. And if it's your passion, guess what? 
You ever heard that saying, if you enjoy your job, you never work a day in your life? Well, guess what? Serving the Lord, when you start serving in that calling, whatever it may be, then it, you're wearing that custom-fit yoke. And it's not a heavy load because you enjoy doing it. It's not even a load. It's just, you know, it's, it, it's just a blessing to get to do it, actually. And so if you don't know what your calling is yet, you're still looking to try to find out uh, a, a really good way to help you do that, couple things is one if you haven't done the connect classes here at liberty i suggest i recommend highly that you do there's a section in there <clears throat> where you take a uh, test that helps you identify your giftings and you know the funny part about this is uh, i've taken it several times but the funny part it is when you take it and you see the results you're like oh i knew that i know that i know that so oh, that's me yes that's me and so it's really good though because it's confirmation and it's, it's actually very enlightening. So if you haven't, haven't done a Connect class, the Connect classes, I, that'd be a great way to start. Another thing is I challenge you to sit down and journal, whether you do it on a computer or in a book, sit down and journal your life. And journal, uh, you know, definitely journal uh, anything that you feel is significant. And when you look at that, go back and look at that and read through it as you go through it. After you get done, go back and reread it. And you'll notice the Lord's influence in your life right there, that that he helped you through this, he helped you through that, and that, that you couldn't have done it without him. Well, guess what that is? All of that is your testimony. And the reason that some of them were tougher than others, some of, some of the steps and the problems and things were, were bigger challenge than others was because you had to have the Lord to help you through it. Because you needed to know that you needed to lean on the Lord. And the reason you needed to know that was when God puts that person before you that's going through that same thing that you've already been an overcomer by Christ in you, that you can help that person through it. That's what our testimony is for, to help those others that need help, to tell them, hey, Jesus loves you. He's, he's, our, he's the joy to the world. And so we bring that forth uh, in order to, uh, to be that light. <clears throat> but we know that those trials aren't going to last forever because they are basically... I, and also, I want to just say, I don't receive that as trials and tribulations. Start receiving it as a challenge for an opportunity, because that's what they are. And they help you grow, and they grow that testimony. So we're going to go to John uh, 1, verse 5 through 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing, <clears throat> nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. And the light shined in the darkness and the darkness could not comprehend it. <clears throat> so, so us as believers, this is our, this is our advantage uh, to the rest of the world is that we can see the light. So if we stay focused on the light, we don't have that despair. If we st if we take our eyes off of the Lord, that's when, you know, we say we fall into depression or we we struggle with this or that. It's typically because we've taken our eyes off the Lord. Now I'm gonna tell you right now, if you start gearing up, start training up, start striving to uh, to uh, operate and serve in your calling, and you got it figured out, and you say, okay, I need to do this, this, and this to be prepared for it. You will get attacks from the enemy. Simple as that. Because the enemy can't do nothing against God. 
but he, he tries to get at God by disrupting us because we have a mission we're supposed to be doing. We have that calling. So if he can, if he can delay us, if he can uh, you know, defeat us for a little while, or listen, if you have things in your life that seem to be repetitive, that get you down, that mess you up, whatever, those are schemes of the enemy. If he's used something on you once and it was successful, he'll try again. And so you've got to recognize that. And when I talk about studying the scripture, that's what I'm talking about. Recognize what, how he attacks you. What does he use to attack you? It could be anything. It could have been, you know, uh, something happened in a relationship in the past. And so, uh, you know, you have a little bit of a trust issue. And, and so the enemy knows that. The enemy's going to use that again. And you may be in a perfect relationship, but he'll start putting thoughts in your head and start messing with you. And you'll start, you know, uh, being jealous or fearful or whatever. And, and it's just an example. But the fact is, you will recognize there's a pattern and he keeps using that same thing again. This is what I'm talking about getting in the scripture and studying and finding scriptures that pertain, pertain to those attacks. Now you're armed to come against him and send him on his way. What is our, what is our greatest weapon? The sword of the spirit, right? So we need, and we can use it offensive and defensive, right? If you know how to use it. So we need to get into that word so that we can uh, defend ourselves against the enemy. Um, I'm going to have to go kind of quick through this since I've got a little out of, out of line, but I want to just share this with you. If, you. if you're interested, these aren't on the lesson. If you want to write these scriptures down, I'll give you a second just to write them down. You can look them up, go over them again later, but I'm going to run through them real quick because I want to make a point, but you may want to go back and just take a closer look. So the first uh, four scriptures are all in the book of John. So chapter 8, verse 12, chapter 9, verse 4, and 5. 17, uh, chapter 17, verse 4. So John 8, 12, 9, 4, and 5, 17, 4. And then Colossians 1, 27, and Matthew 5, 14. So in 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. In 9.4, Jesus said, and this is right, out, this is right in, in the area where he's fixing to heal the blind man. And, and he's, he's talking about it. He says, we must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. So notice there's a timeline to get our job done. And then on 5 it says, but while I'm here in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, that's very important that you recognize that. He says, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. 17.4 says, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. That's Jesus talking to Father God, and he's saying he has, he's completed the work. And then here, here's, here's the catcher. In Colossians, God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you. And, the, and this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This is your assurance of sharing his glory. And that is why in Matthew 5, 14, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Okay. So let's go back to 
We must quickly carry out the task assigned to us. That's our calling. By the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. What are they talking about? What's he talking about? No one can work. Well, if you think about it, uh, we kind of looked at this when Pastor talked about end times. When Jesus returned, he raptures his, right? He raptures the church. He raptures the true Christian believers, the ones that are walking it out, not just talking the talk. And so what happens is, is we go up with Jesus, and guess who's going with us? Christ in us, the Holy Spirit. And basically, without us, without the presence of the Holy Spirit in the world, there's nothing left on the planet but basically evil. That's why it's going to be so far out of control by then. You better be making sure you're ready to go up in the rapture. You hear me? So um, the thing is, is that we, our calling is upon us. You know, we're, we were told to share the gospel. It wasn't a request, right? That's a commission. That's a requirement. We're supposed to share the gospel. Now, we can't run around doing it verbally alone, we have to walk it out. It does no good for us to tell somebody something and then we're not living it. We're not walking it out. They say, well, you're no better off than I am. Why, you know, why am I, why are you telling me something, you know? So we have to show it. We have to demonstrate it. We have to demonstrate that joy that we have in the Lord. But we have a time frame to get that done. And it's urgent. So right now is a perfect time, right? Because the world around us, uh, and, and I like what Pastor said, you know, that the world... Uh, isn't falling apart, it's falling into place. What's it falling in place for? For end times for the Lord to return. But we have a timeline on that and we need to get busy because Jesus said, you are the light of the world. What did he say before that? He said, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. What's he talking about? He's talking about Christ in us, right? That's the whole point. That's why he said, I must go. It'd be better for you that I go so the comforter come because therefore the spirit of truth can guide us, can teach us, can comfort us uh, and, and we can represent uh, the kingdom of heaven more completely. So the next point, we have joy because he loves us. We, have, we are more than conquerors because he loves us. I don't know about you, but before I got committed in a relationship with Jesus, I had no idea what love was. The, the, the world's definition of love is so wrong. I mean, um, I just... You know, it's, it's just amazing, though. I mean, you know, uh, the word says, I love because he first loved me. And, and I'm sure that's true for you, but it is definitely true for me. I mean, everything changed when I committed to my relationship with the Lord. Let's go to Romans 8, 35 through 9. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble, calamity, or persecution, hunger, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for your sake we are, all, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is through Christ who loves us. We are more than conquerors. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fear for today or worry for tomorrow. No, even the powers of hell can't separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us 
from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, just think about it for a second. Before we were created, we had to be given free will to have an actual relationship. You can't have a relationship, you don't have a choice. And, they, and God knew he was going to mess it up, and Jesus volunteered to come and sacrifice himself. And how much love is that, right? I mean, we wouldn't even know love without that love. We wouldn't, we wouldn't even be able to comprehend it. On to the next point. We have joy because we have we we have joy because he has adopted us into his family. Through faith in Jesus, we are sons and daughters of God. We are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus, and the best is yet to come. This is critical that, that we receive this, that we recognize this. Being adopted into his family. And that was that was the intent all along, right? And so um, think about it. it we're, we're joint heirs, co-heirs with Jesus. Jesus owns it all, right? He said, he said, my father gave it all to me. I have full authority over everything. And here we are, co-heirs. Listen, you not only have a calling and a purpose, and it's, it's going to be the passion of your heart. It's not even going to be a burden, but you're anointed in it. You're anointed. And guess what? You have authority, to do it. But we have to, and, the, and let's, I'll tell you what, the enemy knows you have that authority. Enemy knows it. But he's not going to render to you if you don't walk in that authority, if you don't step up and claim that authority. So we have to do that. And, and, and so we, we start that by getting more into the Word so that we have uh, more of the Word in us. Because the Word says if we lack wisdom, all we have to do is ask God, and he'll give it to us. Well, guess where we find it? We find it in his word, right? So if, if we are having a tough day, we take a second and we go to the Lord and say, Lord, be my strength. Let me wear your yoke. Um, and, and, and we should, on a daily basis, be praying about properly wearing the armor of God. Okay? Because we should pray that we can wear the helm of salvation with integrity. Right? We can wear the breastplate of righteousness squarely and properly because we need the helm of salvation to protect our mind from the enemy. We need the breastplate of righteousness to protect our heart and soul from the enemy because what does the word say? The most important thing is that we what? Love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. Now, if we allow the enemy to invade there, even just for a moment, that's not with all, Right? So the way that we overcome the enemy is being prepared. And that's one of the ways that we can prepare is to make sure that we properly suit up and are ready for that. Uh, being adopted into the kingdom, we have way more um, benefits than we walk in. Okay, uh, Dig into that. Dig into that a little bit. Do a little extra digging in that. What are my benefits as an adopted child of God? Uh, you're an ambassador. Did you know that? You're an ambassador to the kingdom. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. That means we got to represent, right? And we have to be prepared to represent. And uh, the best way for us to do that is to get into the word, find that scripture that we can overcome that attack that keeps popping up, and we can move past that. Keep looking for that calling so that you as soon as possible, can start preparing for it. And what you're going to find is actually, you're going to recognize, if, if you'll take a moment to do that journal and read it back, you'll recognize uh, 
that the Lord has been preparing you all along. A lot of those key uh, challenges that you had to overcome were they are key building blocks to get you to where you will be equipped for that calling, and it'll help point it out. So Romans 8, 14 through 23. For all who, lead, all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful, slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when you were adopted. You are His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father. For His Spirit joins with our spirit and affirms that we are Children, we are God's children, and since we are His children, we are heirs, in fact, together with Christ. We are heirs with, with heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share the glory, we must must share the suffering. So there, there are going to be those those trials. There are going to be those uh, things we have to go through. Those challenges, uh, simply because we're representing God. And so the enemy, you know, if we're doing a good job of it, the enemy's going to come against us because he's trying, to, he's trying to slow down that. He doesn't want that witness to be there. So the thing you have to recognize to have an impact is the world is, is basically, they don't, they don't really have joy. They, they're in search of happiness. They don't even understand what joy is. Our joy is eternal happiness. Right. And uh, we don't want to we don't want to be looking at it from the perspective. And one thing you want to let them be aware of is, is that because uh, I had I had a guy tell me one time, you know, well, you know, that's fine. Uh, you know, I get it. Jesus forgives everybody. Right. I said, yeah. He said, and he, he'll forgive them at any time. Right. I'm, well, yeah. You know, and he's like, well, I'm going to wait a little later because, you know, I, I got things I want to do. And, you know, and well, I told him, well, you're missing the point. It's not just about, I mean, it is about eternal life with God, but it's also about sharing and walking out that relationship here on earth and enjoying it. I mean, you're missing out on the beauty of life and the joy of life because you, you're looking at, from a world standpoint, a happiness. You don't even understand. So, so, like, if you just look at the world around you, if you think about it, you look at the world around you and the beauty of the world, and you, and you think about what it looked like to you before you gave your life to Jesus and what it looks like now. You see God in everything now, right? I mean, if you really look, you see God in everything. And the world is just so much more beautiful. There's so much going on. You just look at nature, you'll see God everywhere. And, and um, you know, to really see that, you need to be looking through God's eyes. And you need to be uh, passionate about that because that happiness that the world has is temporary. That's why so many people go from one hobby to the next uh, because they're looking for happiness but they're, they're looking for uh, joy in the wrong places. So let's, let's take a look at this and see what Paul has to say about this, starting at verse 18. <clears throat> Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for, the, for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse before, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will be joined, it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning 
as in the pain of a childbirth right up to this present time. And we believe also, and we, and we believers also groan, even through, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste in future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including our new body he has promised. And that's, you know, and that's huge too when you think about it. Um, you know, Paul, if you recall, Paul actually uh, said, you know, hey, I, I'd like to, uh, to get my uh, heavenly body straight from this body. You know, he said, use the term, I don't want to be naked in between, you know, wait to be uh, resurrected. He wanted to go straight up. But, but we, uh, that's another one of the uh, beauties of being adopted is that we, we look forward to that heavenly body. And um, so we need to uh, make sure that we reach out to the world around us because they don't know. They don't know. They, they, it, it, to them, it's all just a bunch of words. And that's all we are is a bunch of words unless we actually walk it out. So we need to be prepared to do that and have our testimony. And, you know, it's not giving your whole testimony. It's giving that part that pertains to what they're talking about, what's breaking their heart. Listen, when they get in front of you, we got to listen. That's the key. you got to listen, find that key to their heart. What is that issue? What is the key to their heart? So you, and, you're, and I'll tell you, you're going to have part of your testimony that's directly related to it. Uh, that's why the Lord's put them in front of you. And then you share that. And by sharing that, uh, and you'll, you'll, trust me, you might be a little nervous about it, a little apprehensive about it. But you know what? When you start talking about the Lord, the joy of the Lord, it starts oozing out of you. You, you almost can't contain yourself. You know what I mean? And so when you're sharing how the Lord rescued you from something, brought you through something, and you share that, and they, they see that it's real, that, that, that joy that's coming from you, then, then they, will, they will accept that testimony and be strengthened. So I just want to pray over you and with you today. Um, I, I, if, you, if you don't know the Lord, if you haven't made room for Him in your heart, uh, I pray that you do. Today's the day. Uh, if everyone knows Him, uh, make sure that we let Him reign in our lives. We need, to, we need to be that witness. You know, it was, like I said, that great commission, was not, it was not a request. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we come boldly before you to receive your mercy and grace. Pray, Father, that each and every one here, Lord, will receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation of your knowledge to the hope of your calling upon their lives. Lord, that they would know your full glory and exceeding power as they witness of you and they bring forth glory to you and advance the kingdom. Pray, Lord, the protection of the blood of Christ upon each and every one. Pray, Lord, that we would be bold in our testimony, Lord, in sharing the joy that we would walk the walk and talk the talk to glorify you and advance your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So if you're new, we got uh, the gifts at the back door. Uh, this concludes the service. You're dismissed. Thank you, everyone, for coming.